disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. It's the Disruption Zone. Welcome back for another exciting episode. I'm Leland Conway, Congressman Thomas Massey, fresh off his huge win to take another uh, term in the 4th District of Kentucky's Congressional uh, Delegation. Uh, he's going to join us. We're going to talk about a ton of things. Uh, we're talk about what's going on on the farm. Uh, apparently, he's got a big announcement coming up soon, and he's going to have to come back for that. But also, we're going to talk about that vaccine uh, is it everything is cracked up to be and uh, the way that we should do elections going forward. In fact, we're going to spend most of the time on uh, the ways that mail-in balloting can be distorted, disrupted and fraudulated. Is that a word? Well, if I'm the host, I can make it up. So anyway, that's all coming up. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for their sponsorship of this program. Folks, do business with them because I did. Um, I don't accept any sponsors on this program that I don't believe in. In fact, we're going to limit. Uh, we've got a lot of inquiries, but we're going to limit the number of people that we actually do uh, sponsorships with because I refuse to tell you about businesses um, that I don't actually believe in. So if you hear me talking about it, I believe in it. And I believe in Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Go check out LouisvilleCabinetsandCountertops.com. They did our kitchen before we moved uh, to Colorado from Kentucky. They did our kitchen. We enjoyed it for several years. It was so beautiful. Made the house so much different and more awesome. And then when we put it on the market, it sold in a day. And I'm pretty sure the fact that when you walked in the house and you saw that beautiful kitchen, it was an open floor plan. I'm pretty sure that had a, a world to do with selling it so quickly. Um, now, if you're a contractor and you need supplies in terms of you need some cabinets and stuff that you can get pretty quickly, they've got those on stock. Um, and also if you're just a do it yourselfer, or if you want to do what we did and it's more of a turnkey kitchen remodel thing where they take you through their entire process and you just tell them what you want and they do it. They've got three designers on staff. So, um, their designers are awesome and you're going to talk to them directly and they're going to walk you through the whole process. So they've got, they're local, they've got affordable cabinets in stock, or if you want to do the full shebang and I'm talking like quartz or whatever you want they've got it all the way to top designers they've got it um so you want to check them out it's louisville cabinets and countertops.com for more information about them but um also just give them a call 502-930-3304 and talk to the folks there and they'll take great care of you we truly appreciate them being a part of this program all right now to the episode uh thomas massey joining us talking about the election, the outcome, fraud, and we start off talking about the uh, interesting announcement about that vaccine shortly after the election. Pfizer has announced that they've got a vaccine for the COVID virus that is supposedly 90% effective. Check it out. Um, yeah, I I agree. Um, well, I think, it, first of all, I thought it was kind of odd that it was announced like right after the election. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll put that to coincidence. Yeah. Um, I think they announced early, earlier than they should have. Mm. The The whole announcement is based on 94 cases of COVID among 40,000 participants in their trial. How did that 
like what what do you mean like the net because they said it was 90 percent effective does that mean that forty thousand <laughs> participants uh signed up and only 94 of them actually got the virus and then of those 94 90 percent of them were made better by it or that's that's basically it okay. i'm shocked that only 94 people got the virus in a in a way that was uh studyable right. or usable and and so what happened is um their 90 percent number also is based on seven days after you get your second vaccine shot okay like there's no which a lot of people are already better seven days no matter what like out of those 94 cases right i'd say 80 of them would be better before seven days anyway right well and it's based on 28 days there's 21 days between when you get your first vaccine of the under the pfizer system and when you get your second one and so the number they use their benchmark is the 28th day which is seven days after your second shot yeah which tells you absolutely nothing about how long the vaccine lasts right and i was shocked that there were only 94 cases that they out of 40,000 but here's the thing they don't count cases the way the government is counting cases not only do you have to have a positive covid test you have to exhibit a symptom right within four days of the test okay and all of the governments i know are tracking covid if you if you pass that if you uh, get a positive result on the pcr test right right where they multiply times a billion times a billion to get a signal of whether you have the virus. Well, Pfizer is saying, well, you know what? We're not going to count all those cases. We're only going to count the ones where there's a symptom. Huh. Wow. So what what the vaccine, the positive vaccine results may be showing is that it reduces your symptoms. Yeah. Well, like I also think improving your immune system does if you get it. Yes, but you got in trouble for uh, claiming Didn't I, though? Yeah. that food. Facebook that, deal. <laughs> that health has anything to do with health. Right? That was so crazy. Like, I, I'm sure it was some algorithm that put, you know, because I used the word COVID in that post. Because what's interesting is I've posted a bunch of stuff that's almost in line with it, except I changed it out to virus that shall not be named uh -huh. or virus. And when I did that, there was no blocking of the post. So it's – but what's weird is, like, why would you just block something – Somebody had to have looked at it, right? Like somebody had to have said, like it, the the algorithm had to have flagged me writing COVID, and then somebody or something had to have looked at it and then determined because what they said specifically was they didn't just like warn me, they banned me for uh, twenty four hours, and they were like, if you do this again, you, you know we will restrict your account again. And and what was interesting was it said it specifically gave me the reason spreading misinformation that the best way to stay healthy is to eat healthy yeah to, to eat healthy and exercise <laughs> strengthen your immune system and what i said i didn't say it would prevent it i said it would prevent or lessen the circle you know lessen the severity of it which well, is you true. know you know they've got doctors in lab coats reading these uh facebook posts and vetting them that's what it has to be you can be sure <laughs> the person was qualified yeah i got i got one of those notices popped up on on facebook about me on my congressional page okay really and so i went and looked at who the person was that vetted the factual content in my post it turns out they're 
they're very accomplished, Leland. They are um, a reporter of Hollywood personalities. They've actually gained access and interviewed a few B-list actors. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How did you figure out? Are you just joking, or did you actually... No, I'm not joking. Okay, so... This woman was a journalist, and her greatest claim to fame in her bio was that she she interviews Hollywood actors, like, and that she had a actually accessed a few of them. So are you telling me I could have gone in? I, I obviously don't have... Ac well, I don't know well, now, but could I have gone <laughs> in and found out who actually pulled my post? Well, what happened is what they did to... to um, contrast my post is they put up another article and, and told Facebook you know viewers to read this other article don't read mine read this other article which shows that mine is wrong oh my gosh and that that the the thing that I asserted and I forget what it even was but it was something about COVID the thing that I asserted uh, they said had issues wasn't factually correct and that this article would clear it all up for you right and so I think this was an article that somebody wrote that they've used to take down many posts. What was your post about? I can't even remember. I have to go. It was something was about it po political, or was it no. about COVID? Oh, it was about COVID. It was about COVID, but they have like a Hollywood. <laughs> I, I don't even know what you call the gossip columnists, but right. that's what she was. Right. And that in her bio, that was she put that in her bio. This right. is not something I dug up. Right, right, right. This was her greatest claim to fame is right. that she had actually interviewed a few honest to goodness a actresses and actors who had been paid to appear in a soap opera or a movie. Now, now if you go back and read her bio, it's going to say that she did all that plus blocked congressmen's That's right. misinformation <laughs> about COVID-19. She's moving up. Well, and but see, all of that plays into you look at how close this election was. Or is, um, and it plays into like the 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 censorship in the media kind of plays like you, you wonder like we're chasing all this accusations of voter fraud, which some of these are very legitimate questions. Some are stupid crackpot conspiracy theories, and that's a problem we can get into a little bit because I think part of the issue is the mainstream media finds the most crackpot conspiracy theory then lumps all the legit questions in with it and then tries to move on. Like, that's what's actually happening, right? Um, but how much influence did social media have over people's thinking prior to the election? We're talking about an election that has a difference of 2 to 3% overall in terms of popular vote and certainly very, very narrow in terms of small, less than percentages in terms of the electoral vote. So you remember after Trump was elected, there was that, tape that was released of google executives saying we're not going to let this happen again do you remember mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. i mean how much influence and meddling was done by those big social media tech giants even you know most of us are hyper divided anyway in a in a facebook post isn't going to change our vote but it does it does help to continue like i mean it, i don't know if you've seen the the film social media the social dilemma on netflix but they actually do manipulate us, and it makes you wonder how much influence the tech giants had over just even the mask mandate. Like my thinking was that the whole uh, the whole censorship of COVID was also political, in that if I'm telling people not to worry, then they're more likely to go out and vote in person. And who's more likely to go out and vote in person? 
and that's conservatives. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's yeah. like, I, I mean, maybe I'm being a big conspiracy theorist here, but I see the dots connecting because you had these guys literally openly admitting they were not going to let that happen again. They were going to influence the election. They were openly saying they were going to do it. Oh, but Leland, now we absolutely have to accept that there was zero fraud in this election. Right. right. And the thing is, it's it's a question of degree. How much fraud was there? There's always right. some petty fraud that sure. goes on, right? Sure. Somebody stole grandma's ballot, right? Right, right. Because they've got Trump derangement syndrome. There's We'll never know to what degree that happened or, you know, or somebody went and got helped somebody else fill out their ballots. We can't know because we have separated the warm bodies from the act of voting. Well, you know what? You should you should check and see, just out of curiosity, if I voted in Kentucky. And the reason I – here's the question I'm asking because I obviously I'm registered in Colorado. My wife and I live in Colorado now. We moved from Kentucky. We, we don't do anything to end our registration to vote in Kentucky. Right. We obviously didn't didn't vote in Kentucky. If you check to see if I voted in Kentucky, then there's a, there's somebody stole my. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like there's. Well, this no, is the good news. If there was massive, widespread fraud, there will be forensic evidence mm, left behind. Right. And and I don't care if you change numbers on a computer. Right. There is, there's virtually there's no way to do that without leaving some kind of evidence. Right. And so I think, and as we do the rest of this show, if I you know, say statements about the inauguration with Joe Biden being there, I want to first attach this disclaimer, which is, I think we owe it to President Trump to give him at least until December 14th, which is when the states pick their electors for certain. Right. Just like we did Al Gore. And because it's in everybody's best interest to have faith in the election process. Yes. And I I don't want to be in a situation that we were in two years after the 2016 election. There was a YouGov poll right. that showed that 66% of Democrats thought that Russians had tampered with the vote tally. Right. Two-thirds of Democrats thought that Russians had tampered with the vote tally. Mm-hmm. Not Not... What actually happened, which is they like had some fake Facebook accounts, right? Right, right? And so we don't. And and I've gone four years. Look, I've got colleagues that skipped the State of the Union, skipped the inauguration, because they never accepted that Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Yeah. It was, so it's it, of, it and it makes it harder to work together to right. get stuff done. So let's vet all of this don't right. jam it down people's throats don't say you got to accept the results right you know you're you're a conspiracy theorist if you don't well we just had the shadiest uh presidential election of my lifetime because it was mail-in right what you know leland at at the voting precinct here if somebody walked in with a with a uh joe biden shirt on and a joe biden hat and said here let me help you with that ballot They'd be, they'd be taken to jail, right? right. Uh, that is now that can now go on at the kitchen table or on somebody's right. doorstep. Right. There's no way to monitor the process when you're when you're doing it remotely, and that just invites mischief and suspicion of mischief. Right. I, I agree with you on mail-in voting. Um, apparently, the state of Colorado is 
been doing it for a long time and it goes relatively smoothly. However, I thought it was interesting. The first time that we voted in a local election here, um, I'm independent in terms of registration. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife is registered Republican. And um, the first time that we voted, I thought it was funny that she got a thing back that said that they didn't have her signature on file and her vote didn't count. We registered to vote on the same day with the same person <laughs> and both signed together like next to each other. We were sitting next to each other because yeah. you, you register here where you get your car done. Same. We were sitting next to each other. I watched her sign. I signed. I was independent. She was Republican. So what we're doing this time, because this is a presidential election, I told her, I said, let's watch and see if your ballot gets thrown out again. There's apparently a way you can fix it, and you have to watch the mail, uh -huh. and then it'll if you can you have a few days to fix it if something happens like that. But I was I thought it was interesting that we were sitting at the same place doing the exact same thing. I watched her sign hers, she watched me sign mine, and you know you can't you don't want to fiddle with an independent because the majority of voters in Colorado are non affiliated, right? And they tend to lean to the left, so they don't mess with that vote. But I thought it was, in, and I'm not, this is not a conspiracy theory. I just thought that was interesting. I was like, so my wife's vote didn't count the first time she voted by by mail, whereas if she had been able to just go in person and cast her vote, it would have counted. So I, I, and that's the state that has done it without much problem. We basically decided four months ago that the whole country was going to do mail-in ballot where most of the country isn't used to doing mail-in ballot. So that's an, that's an opportunity for fraud right there, simply the fact that states don't know how to do it. Right. And, and by the way, as far as I know, in Kentucky, they still haven't figured out how to report precinct results when right. you have mail-in ballots. Right. Now, there's no reason why you can't. It takes a little bit extra effort when you print the ballot and when you count the ballots. But in my primary, I can tell you, they didn't... Re report precinct results they're only by county and by race right e election that's troubling because you know the finer uh, my the microscope that you have to resolve with the better you can see right. inconsistencies right and so it, you know if you knew the precinct results well then you can find improbable precincts where like all the votes went to one candidate right. or more people voted in that precinct than are registered. Okay, there's something, maybe it's a problem with the machine, and we've seen those problems before. But now all those errors get averaged in with one big giant number in Kentucky because they're not keeping track of which voters from which precinct cast those ballots. Right. And you, you said we signed up for this four months ago. I think we signed up for it, and this is one of the reasons I was so vocal on March 27th, I think the fix was in when Congress passed to tried to pass a two trillion dollar bill without showing up. Mm. I could see it then. Right. This is why, right. if your listeners don't know, I'm that guy. I was the turd in the punch bowl that day. <laughs> I was the most. CNN called me the most hated man in Washington D.C. It's the first time they ever got a headline right. Right. Uh, because I said, you know what? If you're going to spend two trillion dollars. You're not going to do it by unanimous consent with only Nancy Pelosi here. Right. We're we're going to show up for work because the Constitution requires it. But what they were doing then, and many Republicans were complicit with this, 
they were saying it's too dangerous for us to show up and vote. And Leland, if it's too dangerous for Congress to show up and vote, then you got to agree that it's just too dangerous for everybody else to show up and vote. Right. And that's where they got the, the imprimatur to do mail-in ballots all across the country. Let's let's go through some of the ways that, that this can cause um, fraud, although it's not even in-person voting can have that problem, too. I thought it was interesting that Michigan had a software glitch that flipped the results of a county. And had it not been a traditionally very Republican county and the results literally looked the opposite, no one might have caught it. Um, apparently, there were some 47 other counties in, in uh, Michigan that used that same software. Um, there's some things going around on the Internet saying that it was Diane, that Diane Feinstein's husband partially owns that company. Apparently, that's not true. Uh, the AP said, though, that Dominion, the company that that makes that software did it did make a one-time philanthropic commitment to the Clinton global initiative in 2014. And they use that to dismiss any idea that it's political, which is hilarious because we all know that the Clinton foundation and the Clinton global initiative was her basically selling her seat. So, so, so that right there, as the AP says, it's false that there's any kind of tie. I'm like, no, 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 actually, what that says is there is a tie between that company and uh, Democrats, but that that's that can happen on the. But when you get to that level, though, yeah, there's so much money sprinkled around. Right, it, it, it doesn't. It, when when you find businesses that have given to politicians through certain, it's everywhere. Means, I'm sure they gave to Republicans. They're, yeah, they're being pragmatic. Hey, if you got a right. if. If you got to pay the protection money, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to pay the protection money. It yeah, doesn't pay the racket money. Yeah, I mean, and they are as a byproduct helping those politicians. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean they subscribe to that ideology or that they like those politicians. Right. Yeah, I, I think more importantly that was caught, and um, I'm assuming that they've checked the other 47 counties. There's a lot of weird conspiracy theories. My favorite one is the watermark conspiracy theory. Have you heard this one? That they that they set up the, the DHS. Cheaters. Yeah, that the DHS printed watermarks on the ballots. That one's crazy because one, the DHS has zero zero authority and ability to do anything with regards to elections. And secondly, the federal government does not print ballots. Um, they're printed by the states. The states decide um, what each one of them will do. Well, listen. There is you could possibly print your own ballot right okay. on a, on a laser printer, and there are micro dots on ballots. Uh, uh, no, on laser printers, you oh, need micro printers. dots that okay. the FBI can use. So you could fix. actually go through and look and see if there's a laser dot. Yeah, on the printer. Yeah, that somebody you could find out which printer what the serial number was. Wait, when I when I when you print a letter or something like that to scan, your printer has a specific signature like your firearm has a specific this is what this is what i have heard really from people that know stuff from people that know stuff i i hear you rubbing your hands together too <laughs> this is what i know from people that know stuff that's hilarious but, but you wouldn't need but by the way leland you wouldn't need to print a ballot there there are ballots i guarantee people could heat their homes this winter with all the ballots that yeah. were stuffed in mailboxes from yeah. the government legitimately printed out right um and just mailed to people right because what you said let's go back to something you said a while ago um when you talk about influencing the vote 
if you are sitting at the kitchen table with your elderly mom, there was a a video that was to me atrocious. Um, poor little old lady. It, the premise of it, she's 86 and she's watching the TV when they call the election. And she starts to cry and whoever is filming the video says, why are you crying, mom? And she says, because I won't lose my Social Security and Medicare. And I'm like, okay, who's the jack wagon that lied to this 86-year-old lady and said that Republicans were planning to steal her Medicaid and social, Medicare and Social, social Security? Because that's never been proposed. Um, I don't even think Trump's even proposed cuts to either of them. That being said... Here's a perfect example of where that woman probably, whoever filmed that video was clearly a setup. Whoever filmed that video probably sat down with that woman and said, you need to vote this way, this way, this way, this way, because this, 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 and this. And there's no control of the truth in that situation. But, uh, there's very little control of the truth in any situation, but it's an asymmetric uh, you know, power relationship there. If somebody, uh, this is... For instance, Leland, uh, you know, I talked about stealing grandma's ballot or whatever, the petty fraud that could happen. We've, you know, we've kind of got family voting now. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, if, if your kid is on the couch and, you know, doesn't have a job, 26 years old, and you're buying their gasoline, you could say, listen, you're going to vote for so-and-so. Or I'm not putting another tank of gas in that car. Right. And you could, whereas if you actually went to a precinct and voted, you're, you know, the young person could say, all right, I'll go in there and vote how you want me to, and then go and in there and vote, vote the other way. free college, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and um, or maybe not vote at all and just stay on the couch. But the same thing, and this is where you have asymmetric power relationships, I would argument that maybe the women have more influence over the men in a domestic relationship right but it can go either way and one spouse could pressure the other oh absolutely or if you um, have an elderly person that you're taking care of yeah so but but if you were to show up at a precinct and go behind that curtain or in the little cubby that they make out of cardboard yeah and cast your vote then you can know that nobody can know yeah and that's one thing that bothers me about these elections. Let's let's I want I want to say this at least once in your show. There are two requirements for every election: has to be fair, and it and people have to believe it was fair. Right. And mail-in ballots are inferior to in-person voting on both counts. Agreed. I agree. Um, I propose this is my solution to it. See what you think, and I and pick this apart because I this is just me throwing something out for sake of discussion, and let's see if we can arrive at something that would be a system. I get the concerns on the left. I, I want everybody to have a, a a good chance to vote, and I've always been in the perspective of look, your employer lets you off. There's no excuse. Go do it. Fine. But if this compromise brings back in-person voting, here's here's how I say it should go. With the exception of those deployed for the military and for specific reasons, you know, for absentee Correct. votes, right. will allow for a specific reason absentee voting. With the exception of that, we go to, and, and I don't know if you want to put 30 days or 7 days, whatever, a longer period of time, and your employer has to give you a full day off during that period of time, and... You vote during that period of time in person with an ID. 
Um, and I don't, I don't care if we, we can make it 30 days if you want. You can say, hey, next year in t- or next time in 2024, the election's essentially over on October 8th. We begin voting until November 8th. And you tally the votes as they come in. You just lock them down so nobody knows the result, right? You just, you just keep them. And then on the night of October 8th, bam, here's the next president of the United States. Or you can do seven days or you can do 14 days. I don't care. But that would be the compromise where it's like, look, everybody clearly, if you can't get to vote in seven days or 14 days or a month, then you have no business voting in the first place. Okay, and if you can't show an ID, then come on. I had to my wife ordered toilet paper in anticipation of further covid lockdowns the other day online and the post office couldn't deliver it because I guess the mail carrier, they wrote on the ticket they had a weight limit or something. I guess they couldn't carry the box. So I had to go pick it up at the post office. I had to show my ID to pick up toilet paper. I should have to show my ID to vote. Your plan would be a vast improvement. And let me tell me let me tell you what I like about your plan. Okay. That presumably we know the result on election night. Right. And it's done. And it's done. Because look at how it went in Florida compared to the other states. Right. And Kentucky, I think we really screwed up uh, by allowing ballots to show up after the election day. Right. Because now you're inviting mischief as, at the post office. Right. Because uh, all you need is a postmark to get the imprimatur that you voted uh, right. on time. Don't don't make the postal workers arbiters of an election process. Right. Right. Don't turn them into precinct observers, <laughs> but just have the requirement. You either you either bring it there, you can send it FedEx, you can send it U.S. Post Office, but it's got to show up that day in the mail collection. Right. When I when I ran for county judge executive, they counted the absentees at noon on election day, and that way, and I thought. Man, that's that's kind of early. It seems like, but but that way, when at six p.m. when the polls closed, they had them. They had them, and there was no temptation, right, or expectation or mistrust that more absentees would be found, right. That was, and it was a room with observers from both parties counting the absentees, and then they, you know, they certified it and. That's the way it should be. Uh, we need to get back to deciding the elections on the night of the election. And I'm not for having the federal government come in and tell the states what they have to do. Right. I am so glad we have an electoral college. Yes, me too. We we have reduced the argument to five or six states. This would be an argument in every voting precinct in the United States. They'd be trying to find fraud or more votes or fewer votes at least this way there are only five or six states where we're going to have to go in and and vet all the credible allegations well and explain explain for people that because i'm starting to see even conservatives creep into this yeah we should do the popular vote thing um there's all these suggestions that the electoral vote was created in order to um protect um, this the, the, this colonialist or whatever you want to call it, imperialist American system. My understanding of the Electoral College, and certainly whether this is why it was founded or not, this is how it works today, 
is that it benefits the little guy. Um, it it stops the 51% from running over the 49%. It's there just in case it's close. Meaning, if, if, if 75% of Americans are in lockstep on something, then the Electoral College is literally not going to matter, right? If the vast mm-hmm. majority of Americans are in lockstep on a candidate or a direction for the country, the Electoral co- College is not going to matter. Where it matters is when it's 52-48. And when it's 52-48, I believe our founders foresaw, well, the Electoral College system was, we didn't actually select the president at the beginning by any kind of wide Democratic vote. It was done by, you know, Congress and state legislators. But when they came up with this idea, I think they must have foresaw when it would be a 52-48 election and that it what it does is regardless of the outcome, it sort of puts in that place that little reminder, hey, really it's only about half of you who think this way and there's another about half of you that think this way. Therefore, that about half that won doesn't get to run roughshod over the other about half. Y'all got to work together. That's how it functionally works, regardless of how it was started. But your thoughts yeah, that's on that? Yeah, that's the net effect. But let me tell you, the I think the most important thing that the Electoral College does. States get seats in the House of Representatives based on their population. If you have more right. population in your state, you get more representatives. Right. Can you imagine assigning representatives based on the number of people who voted instead of the population of a state? Right. That's what you're proposing when you say get rid of the Electoral College. You're saying your state should have more say in the presidential election if more people show up in that state to vote. Right. Which is absolutely not true because then what you do is you create this incentive. States in an effort to outdo the other states, are going to say they had more voters or they're going to expand the franchise to dead people and, right. you know, and foreigners uh, who are living in the state. Like, it's it basically it says your representation in this federal government as a state is based on your population, not on how many votes you can send. Right. To Washington, D.C. Well, look, here's the reason why the Electoral College was founded. It wasn't founded because of some uh, evil colonialist empire protection. It was actually exactly what you just said. The Electoral College was founded to try to sort of equalize the system, to sort of give everybody a a strong say in an election. Right. Like you said, the, the Electoral College was designated by the by the number of. Well, as you pointed out, representatives yeah. that each state has. So as, so as a result of that, based on population, it sort of spread out the effect. What people who are trying to say take it away are doing is they're 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 not realizing the difference between a republic and a full on democracy. And every single full on democracy in history has led to tyranny. Whereas a republic, if you can keep it, as Ben Franklin said, is something altogether different. Where the democratic system is protected from the tyranny of the majority. That's correct. And and at the end of the day, you can stuff all the ballots in the box you want in California, and you can change California's outcome by stuffing ballots in a box in California that may not be legitimate, but you will not overwhelm or override Kentucky's outcome. Right. And that's the most important thing. In fact, 
it is true that the Electoral College disproportionately uh, gives smaller states a, a, a vote based not on their population, but just on the fact that they're a state. Right, okay? right. But, it, but a lot of people don't realize this. That's not why Donald Trump won in 2016. There are a lot of small blue states as well. <laughs> right, right. And the reason Donald Trump was able to win the Electoral College but, not, but did not win the popular vote is they had higher turnout in the blue states. Right, right. It's not because they every state gets two electors that are, are not based on population. Right. That wasn't the case. You can take those two electors out of the math, recalculate the Electoral College, and Donald Trump still won in 2016. And that's because he won the, the swing states by a small margin. He won the red states by a decent margin. And he overwhelmingly lost the blue states. Right. But the fact that they overwhelmingly defeated him in the blue states did not affect what happened in the purple states and the red states. Well, the, the, the electoral – here's a perfect example, too, of why – go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, and I just – but I do want to say and, – and so I'm making the argument for keeping it – letting the states come up with their own elections. We've got a firewall against fraud right. at every state boundary. But there is one thing I think we should have, Leland, and I think we should have a result on election night. I agree. I, I totally agree. Um, I was just going to point out that Colorado has a perfect example why the Electoral College matters. Uh, we just voted by an 18 percent margin to or 14 percent margin to um, release wolves into the state, which is a terrible idea. Um, the the wolves are already back in Colorado, naturally. And if you go outside of Denver and Boulder, it's almost 100% against reintroducing wolves because these are the ranchers and cattlemen that keep us all fed. They're the ones that are going to have to deal with the consequences of wolves running through the state. Hunters are going to have to deal with the cost of this new program because they're going to saddle hunters with it rather than raise taxes on every, everyone who voted for it. The margin of, of uh, win for that was exactly the margin of win for Joe Biden, meaning... <laughs> the cities of Boulder and Denver chose to put something on the rest of the state that they will never have to deal with the problems it creates. Wolves are never going to eat the babies of rich liberals in downtown Denver. Wolves will never eat their babies and will never destroy their livelihood. But their vote can cause massive problems for the livelihood of those ranchers who feed them their steaks on the weekend. Right. Mm -hmm. This is an example of when the vast majority of people decide something, regardless of whether they're educated about it was that what it was they decided that can affect other people who had no say over it. That's that's what that's a micro version of why it matters. Right. The tyranny yes. of the majority just inflicted an enormous amount of pain on rural Colorado because they were ignorant. Most of them were California transplants who came here because houses were cheaper and it, they, you know, they voted for something that's going to affect everybody else. And that's an argument for federalism in general, not yes. just the Electoral College. And that's, I think, where Republicans are going to have to make our stand. We're going to have to get back to a republic established by, you know, the federal government was created by the states, not the other way around. Yeah, totally. I know we're running short on time, but I want to ask you about one other thing um, that's really stuck in my craw. Um, you saw Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's tweet about collecting the tweets of people who were supportive of President Trump and then using that to destroy their careers. 
um, that wasn't just her. There was a, a chorus of others. In fact, there was apparently, at least for a little while, I don't know if it still exists, an organized group founded by uh, former staffers of Pete Buttigieg to do exactly that. And then the, the coup d'etat was Jake Tapper, uh, who I know leans left, but he's supposedly a journalist. He's not supposedly a commentator. He's the guy that gives us the news. He actually tweeted something very, very similar in which he insinuated, nice career you got there, but if you keep pre uh, Trump supporting Trump, we might destroy it. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing greatly, but that's essentially what it meant. This is, this is the enemies list, right? And... You know, dictators like Stalin rounded up their opposition, put them on trains, sent them to prison camps where they starved to death. We're now, because of social media, creating digital prison camps where people will starve because they can't protect or, 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 or raise their family because this Orwellian, Stalin-esque thinking is terrifying because while AOC doesn't have the power of the state behind her to do something like this, she certainly has the agreement and the cooperation of big tech and many, many, many uh, activist minds that think like her that can, in fact, because big corporations in America just cowtail to this cancel culture thing. They're scared to death of it. This could have an effect on people. It it could, and it does, and it has. I mean, they've already created these digital lynch mobs. They tried to destroy my constituent, Nick Sandman, the kid that wore the red mm -hmm. MAGA hat. Mm-hmm. Um, at the pro-life rally in Washington D.C. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, he he was able to sue successfully some of the media outlets. Right. Now I don't know that he'll be successful with the social media outlets. How does it's, someone sue though when you get turned down job after job after job and you don't realize that the the liberal <laughs> human resources director went and checked the list that AOC made? and found that you uh, had a pro-gun support tweet or a pro-Republican support tweet, and then just simply decides to move on from your candidacy? You know, I think this this is the irony. If if uh, And this is kind of what they were threatening from the left. Uh, if Joe Biden is sworn in, and I hate to say this because this is almost like they, they uh, robbed us at gunpoint, I think things are going to get the left will calm down a little bit mm -hmm. and they'll be a little bit more civil. Right. Here's one thing I noticed just relating a personal experience, Leland. In the first four years that I was in Congress, I did town halls in every county. And they were all civil and you'd occasionally have somebody from the left show up and make their point and it'd get rebutted and we'd go back and forth and we we could have a great conversation in the town hall the the week donald trump was sworn into office all that went away there was no chance to have a civil discussion mm -hmm. or regular town halls because people they weren't really mad at me leland i'd already been their representative for four years right they were furious at trump right. and they were never going to get to see the man right so right? they took it out on you they took it out on me and they've and they have done it for four years. I'm not complaining. I'm the I'm you know, in the people's house and you can take sure it job. out on me <laughs> if you want. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think their thinking is that deep. And I predict that they're not gonna be taking it out on me. Right. That 
thing, and, and I know you're talking about people in general who are losing their jobs and not congressmen, but I'm just giving you my personal observation. And this should never be a reason to elect Joe Biden that, oh, the rioting and the mobs will stop right. if he gets elected. But I think it probably will slow down. Well, the mayor of D.C. said we can reopen the city now. Joe Biden was elected, so we won't be tearing things down and burning businesses anymore. Well, I tweeted uh, (laughs) last night, what's this, presuming Joe Biden is chosen ultimately, what's the inauguration going to be like? Are we going to sit in Jeeps and honk (laughs) our horns? I saw that. Everybody in six-foot circles. Are we going to be in six-foot circles at the State (laughs) of the Union? Yeah. Like, that was so ridiculous. Yeah. And... That's going to go away, right. I think. I do, too. I, I think uh, you're going to start to see. I already saw an article on thehill.com that came out the day after the election. It was like, hey, we think we figured out how to do concerts again. Um, but, but here's but here's what they will do. This is the next battle. Then this is where we need to make our stand. And we should have been more, honestly, even with President Trump in there, we should have been more diligent about making sure people understand this is a republic and the states create at the federal government not the way other way around because i'm concerned you know joe biden's already talking about national mask mandate right and national i mean i'm concerned that they're going to try and mandate this vaccine some way or pressure the states to mandate it right we need to push back with you know the state's rights which has always been where we've you know yeah a position of republicans and conservatives and constitutionalists and just people with any amount of common sense. Right. Um, so that's that's where the battle's at. We've had some wins at the state houses. We picked up 11 seats in the state house in Kentucky. Republicans did. 75 to 25 now in Kentucky. Um, so there are a few bright spots, but it's at the governor levels and the, and the state legislatures. Well, and, and I'll say this. Um, I, I believe the Republicans are going to hold the Senate. You concur? I do. Yeah. I mean, the Democrats have to win both of those seats to right. take the Senate, and there. So we've got two chances to win. Yeah, I, I and I think here's here's again. I'm going to say this, and maybe people will get mad at me or whatever. But um, in some ways, because I tend to lean libertarian, the next best thing to a libertarian winning is divided government. And President Trump initiated a lot of really good policies um, that have helped the economy. And, uh, you know, if there's divided government, they're not going to take my guns and they're not going to raise my taxes. Those are my two key issues. Um, the rest of it, I can let everybody else sort out, but don't take my guns and don't take my, don't take my money. And when they, they take your money when they spend it, not when they tax. That's true. Well, well, that's going to happen regardless because so I'm, I'm kind of out of luck that way. It wouldn't matter if Trump was elected or not. But, but the dynamics have changed and we do have divided government. There is a chance. There's a chance, right? Like in dumb and dumber, Mm -hmm. there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a (laughs) chance that we spend a little less money because if you remember the negotiation was on the next COVID bill. It was between Mnuchin, which is you know somebody in the in Donald Trump's administration, and Nancy Pelosi. Right. Uh, so Congress had their most liberal uh, person representing Congress's will in the negotiation with a White House that was frankly unconcerned with debt. Right. Okay. Now what we will have is a White House that's even less concerned with debt. 
But the negotiation is not going to be with Nancy Pelosi. It's going to be with Senator McConnell. Right. Because he is the he's the gatekeeper now. Right. And so uh, I am hoping that that means <laughs> this is a sad thing to hope for. Right. That we only spend one and a half trillion instead of three trillion. <laughs> Yeah, let's go to let's go to McConnell sized overspending versus Pelosi size overspending. It's a, what what are we gonna do? It's a, we'll get something out of it anyway. So and then here's here's my other hope. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna hold the Senate in two years. Yeah, I hope we do, but it's I've been told, and I haven't looked at it race by race, but I've been told there are a lot of close ones in there for Republicans. Right. But I think we've got a good chance of taking the House in two years. In two years, because we're gonna be within ten seats. Right. This this year. Which is going to cause Pelosi a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. The narrower the majority, the more chance there is for a coup, or you know, the, the squad is now like the Freedom Caucus. I mean, they can virtually hold up any bill if four of them stick together. Right. Well, is there a way for you guys to stop House bills, even if you don't have the majority? <laughs> you can make it harder. Right. For them to well, pass. See, every, every, you realize everybody's going to love you for the next two years, right? Everybody hated you because you you stood for every, principle, but now your principle is going to help stop the squad from running the house. Everybody in D.C. hated me. That was And CNN reported that. It's the first time they got a headline correct in their lives that I was the most hated man in D.C. <laughs> and now all the but, Republicans are going to love you again. But think about <laughs> this, Leland. I made all those folks come to work. Right. Okay. If we if I hadn't set that precedent, they could have passed untold amounts of trillions of dollars all summer and this fall and nobody come to work. Right. Right. But I got them back to going to work. So just the fact they have to go to work to spend a trillion dollars makes it less likely we'll spend a trillion dollars. Right. That's what I realized. Like there's a physical they are oftentimes lazy, the the members that I serve with. Sure. It, they would rather phone it in or zoom it in instead of showing up. So if just the physical act of making them do something to spend your money means right. that they will be less likely to spend your money. So those are the kinds of things we can do, procedural right. and uh, and whatnot. All right. Anything interesting, fun happening on the farm? Are you, are oh. you building any new uh, rockets or uh, new inventions? I am, but... Um, in fact, I filed a patent on something that will take care of my animals while I'm gone. Really? You'll be excited to see it, but I can't spoil the punch. Oh, okay. I can't make a disclosure here on the show. Okay. But people should stay tuned. It's not the next Tesla, you know, but <laughs> imagine imagine Tesla meets Mayberry. Right. Uh, okay. And, and uh, alternative energy solutions for the farm. Let that's, me just say that. That's awesome. Uh, you're going to come back on here when you uh, announce yes. that, right? Yes, okay. I will. I love stuff like that. All right. Uh, how do you, how do you, what do you store up your vegetables for winter or what do you do? Like, how do you keep fresh food all, all winter long when we get into like the non growing season? You know what, Leland? The old timers were almost vegetarians in the summer and carnivores in the winter. Right. Because animals keep themselves, right? They don't spoil yeah. until you butcher one. Right, right. And so they would keep them. And, and then in the summer, their, their food would be grown. Now, of course, we canned some some tomatoes and we froze some of our corn, but you don't have fresh food in the winter. Although I'll get a little bit out of my wallapini. I've got an underground greenhouse. Yeah, I love I, have, the, I love that thing. It's just a funny name, uh, the wallapini. <laughs> it's South American. The name I'm told 
could be internet, you know, hokum, but um, it's called a wallapini and it's underground, but it's got a roof that gets sunlight right. um, when it's not covered in snow. And I can, I can grow carrots and greens and, and tomatoes. It's harder to grow tomatoes, but carrots and greens are easy to grow in there. In the wintertime? In the wintertime in Kentucky awesome. when we've got snow. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that your whole farm is self-sufficient and you're like the greenest congressman, but you're a Republican and you never get credit for that nationally. You got all these people running around flying on their private jets, uh, running their mouths about carbon credits. And here you've got a farm that is, I, I don't even know if you use any fossil fuels to get back and forth to your job. You, you Most of the time you drive your Tesla. It's I like, can I can get half the way to DC in my Tesla on sunlight. That's hilarious. I and, love it. And the batteries are the worst part of any of this renewable system. They're expensive. But my batteries are out of a wrecked Model S Tesla. So right. I, I recycled even the batteries right. to create And by system. the way, when you say you can get halfway to D.C. on solar power, you mean it. Because you charged your Tesla yes. in your power bank at your house, which was powered by, te- by, yes. by solar. Which most people that drive Teslas and think they're better than everybody else are plugging that thing into the coal-fired power grid. And they're just as dirty, if not dirtier, than my yeah. fossil-fueled SUV. Whereas you are actually running that thing on solar power. That's right. But when I start, stop at a Tesla charging station, I basically it. got a 200-foot exhaust pipe, or 200-mile <laughs> exhaust pipe. Right. Because you like, got it out of West Virginia, which is right. for sure coal fire. We know where that power's coming from. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> All right. I love you, man. It's good. All right. Congrat- you, oh, by the way, congratulations on, uh, what was your percentage of win? It was like 20 or 30 or something? It was 67 to 33, and I got more votes than Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump in this congressional district. That's awesome. I love it. All right. Which is interesting because once on a – actually twice on a telephone call, Trump told me he was more popular than me in Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to remind me that. And he is very popular, but he didn't get as many votes as I did, so go figure. That is so awesome. All right, Congressman Thomas Massey, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Leland. Bye. All right. Thanks to uh, Thomas Massey for coming on the program. Appreciate it. Uh, Quick note, love our friends at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Appreciate them uh, for supporting the program. And again, as I tell you, I don't talk about businesses that I don't truly believe in on this podcast. Um, We get lots of inquiries about sponsorships. Uh, The only ones that I accept are the ones that I truly believe in. And um, so when you hear me talk about a business, it's because I believe in them. And I believe fully in Louisville cabinets and countertops because they did work for us. They not only did our kitchen, they also did our master bathroom. Whether you're looking for something quick and easy like a for Mike uh, like a like a laminate countertop, uh, they've got those. Sometimes they can be cut the same day. Or you're looking for uh, something more top notch like customized granite or quartz or uh, you know uh, heavy stone countertops or whatever. They've got that as well. And if you're doing it yourself, fine. You can go in and get all the stuff you need. They've got cabinets in stock that are affordable and very high quality. Or you can talk to one of their designers. They have three on staff who will walk you through the whole process. And you can go literally start to finish. Just let them do all the work, right? So it's turnkey kitchen remodel. Either way you want to do it. It's Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Stop by their showroom. Just stop by. Just just stop by. Walk in. Talk to their great designer. 6200 Hit Lane. Uh, right there in Louisville, and they're uh, right on the border of Oldham County and Louisville. So if you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or uh, Oldham County, these are your guys if you want to get that, uh, take your kitchen to the next level. So check them out, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Big appreciation to them. Also to my co-host and ca- uh, co-executive producer, Cameron Mills, and to uh, JP Web Design and Dynamics Audio Productions for their help with the program. You can download us for free. 
Sponsorships like the Louisville Cabinets and Countertops help us keep it free. So I appreciate you listening to it and doing business with them. But it is free. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Google Play. You can go to iHeartRadio's app. And, of course, you can hear select episodes of this program on WGTK 970 The Answer in Louisville, Kentucky. We're so excited to have them as a partner, and they broadcast this podcast as well. So check it out. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, at Leland Show. And at Instagram uh, is uh, um, at Greatly Londo. Actually, uh, look for – I just changed my uh, avatar on uh, Twitter and Facebook – or uh, Twitter and Instagram to President-elect Leland Conway. But it's at Leland Show. That's how you find me. And at Greatly Londo or at Zone Disruption on Twitter and at The Disruption Zone on Instagram. All right. Follow along with us. We appreciate you. I love you, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Disruption Zone.